Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Knock and Lie podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. It was another very exciting week of football. The divisional round just finally wrapped up, uh, and we've got a great show for you today. Luke Owens, friend of the program, comes on to talk about his Bills moving on to the AFC Championship game. Uh, We recap all the games, give you a look ahead uh, at at what's to come in the conference championships, as well as reviewing some of the coaching hires and the news that just dropped earlier this week. But before we get into today's episode, I am happy to announce that we have a new sponsor uh, of the podcast. At Student Union Sports, we are big fans of BUSR.com. BUSR is your go-to location for all sports betting and online gaming. Now that we're into conference championship game, maybe you like the look of the Packers minus three and a half. Maybe you're more of a Bills plus three guy. Whatever it is, you can bet on your favorite sports events today, including NFL, NBA, college football, college basketball, and much more. BUSR also offers the best promos, bonuses, and odds of any online race book. Head on over to BUSR.com slash Sports today and receive a 20% sign-up bonus plus up to 8% in rebates every day. Again, that is BUSR.com slash Sports. You can also find that link in the bio of our podcast, plus on the front pages of our website and Twitter. So what are you waiting for? Head on down to BUSR.com slash Sports. Prove that the knowledge you learned on this podcast can make you some money and go out there and get rich. All right, let's get into today's episode with Luke Owens. We now welcome on a friend of the program, recurring guest, and a proud member of the AFC Championship-bound Bills Mafia, it's Luke Owens. Luke, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, JT. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I think I promised to come on before the results of the games. or It might have been after, but uh, I would have come on either way, but it's definitely easier to talk about it after uh, that, that big win on Saturday night. Yeah, no, we know win or lose, you're with us no matter what, but the wins are, the wins are a little bit sweeter. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, another weekend of football is in the books. Only two left now. Um, as you mentioned right before, we're, we're running out of football. It's just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to actually have to work on homework on Sundays. Like, it's it's sad. It's really sad, especially the last two weekends have just been, I mean, we've been absolutely spoiled as football fans. Obviously, Super Wild Card Weekend was awesome. And then this weekend, we got some some really great games, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, down the stretch, at least. You know, people people might say the the Saturday slate not quite as, enjoyable as a Sunday slate but I mean it's six hours of football a day you can't really complain yeah I was honestly I don't know if I could survive too many of those like super wild card weekends so I'm glad that it's there you know and it's special I was talking about it last week I mean it's nine ten hours of football you know and every every snap count like yeah, football a fatigue there a little it was exhausting for me yeah. just mentally as a fan like watching these games I was like geez I, I mean I'm glad it happened but if that was every week, I mean, I, I would yeah. be suffering. Yeah, it'd be tough, especially when you have to sit through like Bear Saints. Like that, that's just a tough. That's a tough like wedge there to get you to Sunday Night Football. Yeah, and I and I was streaming it, so I wasn't able to watch on the Nickelodeon. Maybe that would have made it a little bit better. But <laughs> it uh, was definitely something. It was definitely mm, something. Yeah. All right. So let's get into these divisional games. We'll start off with the Saturday afternoon game, uh, Rams and Packers. Uh, Rams who, you know, as we, right, as we were coming on here announced that their defensive coordinator was going to be 
going over to uh, the Chargers um, and, and heading the program up there. I mean, this was a game where we weren't really sure what we were going to get from Jared Goff. Uh, there was there were injuries on that Rams defensive line. And, uh, Aaron Donald was banged up. Um, and they ran into a red hot Aaron Rodgers and, and that Packers offense. Uh, I mean, I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. Obviously they, they pulled away and, and ended up covering with that touchdown there at the end. But I thought the Rams did a better job than at least I expected. I thought Jared Goff looked really good. They got Cam Akers going, but simply put the Packers offense is just too tough to stop. It is. And Aaron Rodgers is just, he's playing with that, that mojo right now. I mean, he, he completely balled out in that game against the Rams. And yeah, it, it's interesting because I, I thought the Rams would cover too. I had the Packers winning close and they had their chances. And that's the biggest thing. And you mentioned it. I thought Jared Goff, I mean, I'm not the biggest Jared Goff fan, but I think you got to kind of give him a little bit of credit for the way he played. Uh, I mean, he was accurate. He was getting the ball on time, you know, down the stretch, a couple of throws he probably would have wanted back. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, he was playing with a dislocated, a broken thumb and the two gloves on and he still played a really great game. But I mean, overall, it's just the Rams are such an interesting team. And, and I know we'll talk about the Packers in a minute, but, you know, the Packers still have another week or, or maybe two to play. But they don't have that many weaknesses. Like when you look at this mm-hmm. team, they're not a team that has a ton of weaknesses. They've got a great defense. They've got a ton of weapons on offense, I think. And really the lowest person I'm, I'm on on this Rams team is Jared Goff. And his contract is, is it's handcuffing. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if he's the guy that McVay would want in his offense. I think he would want someone different. Like if you put Deshaun Watson in this offense, I mean, that would just be, ooh, that'd be unfair, but they just don't have a lot of holes. But at the end of the day, it's just, they ran into a team that is playing just so well right now in the Packers. I mean, they're playing a lot better defensively than I would have expected down the stretch here. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is locked in. By the way, married with a really great run game as well. So I think that was just a, a case of the Packers were just, they were just the better team on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head there where I don't know if maybe in another situation, Jared Goff is better, but Sean McVay's offense lives off the play action and it also helps with a, a mobile quarterback. I think Jared Goff is a good play action thrower, but he's not gonna, uh, you know, he's not gonna outrun anybody no. with his legs. And so that really, uh, hampers what he can do in that offense but yeah I I think straight across the board the Packers played a great game we can transition over there the scariest thing for me is these guys were cruising and Devontae Adams wasn't you know wasn't even the main wasn't even the leading receiver nine catches 66 yards he had a good game but the ball was spread out pretty off uh, uh, around the field and Alan Lazard obviously you know helped with that 60 yarder at the end but he had a good game. And, and like you said, the running game, everybody was rolling 188 yards on the ground over five a carry. I mean, this, this offense is, is a fine tuned machine. It is. And that's the scary part when you look at the run game, because they will literally run out three guys. I mean, Aaron Jones, isn't all that fun to tackle. And when you're, when you're done with him, Jamal Williams comes in, AJ Dillon, who, you know, he kind of had that, that fumble could have been costly if Rogers didn't recover it, but he's a guy that like, they just roll out these guys that you don't want to tackle. You know, it's kind of like, you can almost feel for the Rams defense. They have to go to Lambeau and they face these big running backs, this really good offensive line as well. You know, you thought, you thought maybe it would take a couple steps back uh, with Bakhtiari out, but they, they, they're still rolling right now. And, and that's the biggest thing for this Packers team is they're hot and you don't want to play them. And that's an offensive line that, I mean, I like, I like the Bucks defense, but I mean, that that's just a tough line to, to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers or to stop the run game. I mean, 
they're they're really rolling right now. And as you mentioned, Devonte Adams wasn't even. I mean, he was he was good, but he wasn't Devonte Adams great. And they still were able to to win that game going away. Yeah, I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup to look at in the next game because you know the the Rams are considerably considerably better against the pass. The the Bucks rank twenty first, so that's something I'm looking for in this next round. But I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. The defense has played a lot better as of late. Um, and, and just looking at it top to bottom, this offense is, you know, they prove why they're the number one scoring offense in the league. Uh, but talking about the Rams here, they're going in the off season. Like you said, uh, the, the Jared Goff situation is tough. It's really, you know, he's the guy to go at with quarterback, um, just because you can't really go anywhere else, but there are a lot of guys that need to get paid, uh, going into this off season and, and they're running out of money pretty fast to do it. Is there a specific maybe goal you have in mind for these Rams in the offseason to to get back to where they were this season? That that's the tough part. I mean you you mentioned it and I said it earlier. I don't there's not a ton of holes on this team, but I, I just don't I'm not a huge Jared Goff guy. Like I feel like he's the guy that's gonna maybe hold them back a little bit going forward. I think it was big what they got out of Cam Akers this year because he's a guy that obviously you don't have to pay now. You're probably never gonna have to pay him at the end of the day. I mean he's a he's a running back. He's a solid running back, but he's not gonna get a big you know, Delvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott type contract. And I think he's going to be a big key going into next year because the way that, you know, they came into the season, it was kind of, you know, who's going to be running for them? Is it going to be Henderson? Is it going to be Brown? Is it going to be Cam Akers? And the way that he kind of played down the stretch, I think is going to be the biggest key for them. But as you said, I mean, they, they're, they're running out of money. I mean, there's a lot of contracts they have right now that, that could tie them down. And I mean, that's kind of what happens, especially when you build a great defense like the Rams had. I mean, eventually either guys are going to get older, you're going to have to pay them. And that's, what's tough because when you look at the division they're in right now, I mean, I, I think you and I both like what the Cardinals are doing, you know, maybe down the stretch, there was a little bit of question there. And Cliff Kingsbury, I think is, is still a couple steps below what Sean McVay is doing, but it's just such a tough division. You expect San Fran to bounce back next year. Seattle's always in the mix. Like I could see the Rams taking a couple of steps backwards for next year. Yeah. And that's the thing is really, like you said, running it back makes the most sense, but you're also adding, you know, this is another year of Jalen Ramsey. This is another year of Aaron Donald. It gives more time for, you know, defenses to figure out a way to shut down their offense and maybe for other offenses to poke holes in their defense. It's not like they're going out and adding a bunch of new talent. They don't have uh, the salary cap space to go out and, and, and get those guys. And um, I mean, it's, and even their first round pick, I think Jack, Jacksonville uh, because of that Jalen Ramsey trade. So yeah, uh, they're not getting high value targets. Um, it's it's going to be tough because I agree. I mean, right now, if you look at it, I could probably conservatively say that they're going to be the third best team in the NFC West. I think the Seahawks with Russell Wilson are still going to be better. They're going to improve. And then either the 49ers or the Cardinals, they're both going to make steps in the right direction next offseason. So they're kind of the odd team out. So it's going to be another situation. And on top of that, losing their defensive coordinator. Um, so it's tough. I mean, this NFC West, even, you know, even with the 49ers falling a little bit short because of injuries this year, it was still a very tough division and it's only going to get harder. So yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do. And, you know, we, we said this year was, was some of Sean McVay's best work, but he might have to double down and have an even better year to keep the Rams relevant next season. He is. Yeah. And they got a couple guys that if they don't resign, you know, guys like Josh Reynolds or guys like uh, Troy Hill that aren't, the stars of this team, but they're, they're good pieces. You know, they're gonna have to make some decisions when it comes to guys like that. So that, that's what I'm interested to see kind of how they work that. Cause as you said, I mean, I could see this team finishing in third or fourth in the, in the NFC West next year, but 
you never know. I mean, I'm not all the way out on golf. I'm just, you know, I just feel like it, they're, they're missing that, that piece. And, you know, I, I feel like if they had some, again, they didn't have Cooper Cup for this game. Like that could have been a, an impact as well, but I don't know. I just, I've never, I've never been too high on the Rams ever since that Super Bowl run. And I think I'm, I'm still kind of the low man on them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and the, the nice thing with all this is, you know, with seven playoff teams, you can finish fourth in the NFC West and still have a shot at yeah. making the playoffs. So still pop- I mean, we saw this year that three teams were in the mix the, the whole season and you expect San Fran to get healthy and they're going to be in the mix too. Maybe they make a, a move for a quarterback as well. So it's, it's just such a talk. I mean, I remember the first time I came on here, we we're talking about this division. It's just, it's insane top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's just going to get tougher. Uh, all right, let's keep it moving. Game I know you're excited to talk about, Bills, Ravens. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody, you know, even by conservative measures could have predicted a, you know, 20 point score total in the game. No. I know both teams were hurt by missed kicks. I mean, the wind, that was weird. Like just watching, you know, the, watching yeah. the goal, the, the goalposts or the, the crossbars. And it's just like the flags are kind of going all over the place. Like, I, I mean, I'm not a good kicker anyways, but I can't imagine what it's like <laughs> for people that, that do that for a living. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was, this was very encouraging for me just watching the game uh, because you like to see a team that can win in a variety of ways. Sure. It's fun to um, watch Josh Allen throw for 300 yards and, and run for 75 and, you know, score 30 points in a game, but games where you can allow a team to just three points, a, a, a potent offense in the Ravens too, um, had to feel pretty good. So wh- what, what were some of your takeaways from this game? I'll let you run with this one. Cause I know you're watching well, it very closely. I got to say the, the MVP of this game has to be Leslie Frazier. I think the, the defensive coordinator for the bills. I mean, they put out a perfect game plan against Lamar Jackson, three linebackers, they really sometimes really interesting. They're kind of using their corners, Tredavious White, Teron Johnson, kind of moving them in, trying to trying to make Lamar Jackson throw. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not completely against the idea of Lamar Jackson. I, I think he's a fine quarterback. I know, I know, I don't know. I what is your Lamar Jackson take? Because I I I kind of got a feel that you weren't very high on him, judging off just conversations throughout the weekend. But I, before I go into anything, I do want to know your your opinion. Yeah, no, I'll make I'll make my official stance. So. Last year, um, going into the season, I would I would probably be what you would call a Lamar Jackson hater, and I understand you know I'll admit he proved me wrong. He like this style of play does have a place in the NFL, but some parts of you know my concerns did ring true um, in some spots in games. I mean, this team is not built to come back from behind. Like if they're trailing, I'm not I, I can't trust Lamar Jackson, right? And so. I was actually thinking about it, you know, cause going into this game, I'm like, all right, I want to make sure I'm, or going into this podcast, like I want to make sure I am saying the right things. But to me, the Ravens feel like a team like, uh, like Georgia or a team like Michigan where they'll go in and they're, they're dominant, maybe not Michigan this year, but they're going to dominate teams that are worse than them. Like when they ran for four yeah. against the Bengals, they're going to light up teams yeah. that cannot be equipped to stop them. But when you get into playoff time, when you get into some of the best teams in the NFL with little to no weaknesses, um, then it's tough because I, I do think um, for as great as he is, throwing is an issue. And, and when they have to throw, I mean, I've, you know, there are, there are stats out there that I think they've won one game or two games uh, like they're, they're two and five when Lamar's thrown over 35 times. So obviously that's not their style of, of, of play, but it's also like, I, I, they don't really have the receipt. Like they're not meant to be a passing team. Yeah. And you can't, you can't do that in the NFL. 
And so I think it's equal parts, you know, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea that, that, you know, it, it's not all just on Lamar because I mean, Hollywood Brown, I, I, I like Mark Andrews. I think he's great. Des Bryant, oh, yeah. like, you know, uh, uh, Miles Boykin, those guys aren't going to be the no. answer if you want to establish yourself as a good passing team. So I do think that, that there is a little bit of weakness there and I'm not saying it's impossible to improve. We saw it with Josh Allen. I mean, he became one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL overnight it seems like yeah. but i think and this will get into what i was going to talk about a little bit later but in the offseason the ravens need to find yes some receiving targets if they're yep. if they're committed to making the passing game work and not just being essentially a one-trick pony then that has to happen so that's yeah. that's i know it's kind of jumbled but that's my take on lamar i think i i was definitely proven wrong um going at the start of last season but there are still some concerns there and Part of it is is play calling, and part of it is um, you know some of the guys that they've the Ravens have put on the field with him. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty close to to you on on my Lamar stance. I think he I think he has the the potential to still be great. Like he is great, and he has, I I still think he has the potential to take that next step. You know the the step that finally gets him over the hill. But yeah, and and I agree with you. You know we'll, obviously don't have to go in in depth, but they do need receivers. I mean at the end of the day, it's tough. You know when when he uh makes plays as as my light goes off i got the uh i got the uh the sensors the sensors oh, wow. in there, so i guess i wasn't i wasn't moving enough but uh <laughs> for, for for lamar jackson uh i i like the way that he you know can he can get out of the pocket he can escape trouble but at the end of the day sometimes you got to make those throws and sometimes they weren't there like there's a lot of pressure in his face all game and i think that's what the bills did a great job they brought the pressure they were able to blitz get to him and, you know, Jerry Hughes, the old man with two sacks. Uh, and that was huge, just getting to Lamar, making sure he had pressure on him. Because that's when those throws looked bad. You know, when he had to get outside, there were a couple plays where he had Andrews open in the flat. He had open receivers. He was just throwing them short with all that pressure. So it definitely is tough because, I mean, the the offensive line play really wasn't great for, for Baltimore last night. The, the snapping was a problem. Mm. Lamar had to make a few really special plays where that one play that was snapped over his head, not the, the one that it was almost a safety, but the one he actually recovered and was able to throw away. Like, mm. that's a play that we saw in the Cleveland game where Big Ben's not getting that ball, but Lamar is, gets there, scoops up in stride, and he's able to throw it away. So there's things he does that I'm like, okay. But then, like you said, once the Ravens were down in that game, it just felt like it was over. Like, even as a even watching it as, as a fan, and I like to watch the game through, through multiple lenses. I think I'm less of a – Obviously, I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm less of a, a fanboy than I was when I was younger just because I'm, I'm older. I can analyze the game better. But it just felt like once the Bills went up by even one touchdown, even when it was 10 to three, it felt kind of like things were shifting. And then that, that pick six, I mean, obviously, that, that's the backbreaker. I mean, that's a bad read by Lamar Jackson. He doesn't see Teron Johnson, who's just sitting in a, in a zone coverage. I mean, you know they're throwing to the end zone on that play, and he just reads his eyes. I mean, Lamar stared down. Uh, Mark Andrews, that entire play, he kind of got tunnel vision. And then on the pick, I mean, it, it kind of felt like the Ravens gave up at that point. I mean, Lamar came back and and Trey White had a great block on him to seal him off. But there were, it seemed like after that throw, I mean, it was game over. And obviously Lamar gets hurt. You don't want to see that. But that's that was a bad read. And that's something that Lamar Jackson has to be better. At. Like, that's just not a good play from your quarterback. Yeah. And, and really what it comes down to, and my biggest takeaway is that wow, this Ravens defense is, is legit because oh, yeah. you have two games against two amazing offenses and they scored a combined 30 points, right? They, 
They're, yeah, and their corners were just so perfect for this matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, Humphrey – Cole Beasley, I don't think, had a single catch, maybe one target. And then you have Peters and Smith. I mean, that that's a really solid three corners rolling out for Baltimore. And they played them perfectly because the way the Bills play, I mean, it's pretty it's, – you know, it's not simple because it's obviously been tough to stop. But John Brown's mostly a deep ball threat. Uh, Diggs is kind of do it all, and, and Beasley's in the slot. And the Ravens just played that so well. And they knew the Bills were going to throw the ball all game. I mean – the, the first drive of the second half, the Bills came out, they ran a little bit, and that was good because they were able to kind of keep the Ravens on their toes a little bit. But when, when Josh Allen had to throw, you know, 20 times in the first half and they weren't running the ball, it was, it was tough sledding. And I think part of that was Josh trying to do a little bit too much. He didn't really want to take the – you know, he kind of realized in the second half, okay, you know, why don't I just take digs on the slant route? Why don't I just go to this comeback route to, to John Brown? But in the first half, he was overthrowing the deep ball and, and that was bad. I mean, there were a couple of throws he made where it's like, you know, if that ball is a little bit, the good thing is his arm was, was too strong and he was overthrowing guys by way too much. But if he threw that a little bit less, that's going to be intercepted. So definitely a few bad reads from Josh Allen, but it, it, JT, this might be a weird thing to say, but it's almost good to see the bills win a game without Josh Allen having to be that special. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's, that's the, the big thing for a lot of these teams that we see deep in playoff runs. And really, for the most part, a lot of the games this season were won through the play of Josh Allen. But I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm sure you're totally fine with it with a defensive shutdown. Oh but. yeah, I mean that was like last year's defense, and that's that's mm. the biggest difference I think between last year and this year is it's not really the defense; it's more the the way that the Bills' offense plays now is they can hold a lead because you saw that Houston game last year. They kind of went to they ran the ball. They were playing; they were almost scared to win that game. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of like. Kind of like, you know, not to the same extent, but the way the Chiefs called that fourth down play, you know, we're going to throw the ball. We don't care. We're going to get this first down. The Bills are, are still going to throw the ball, even when they're up two scores. And sometimes they throw an incompletion. It's like, why are you stopping the clock? But the next play, they move the chain. So I think that's the biggest thing is that Brian Dayball has become so comfortable, so confident in Josh Allen this year. And a lot of that ha- obviously has to do with having a guy like Stephon Diggs. But the Bills aren't going to just squat on a lead. They're going to they're going to make sure that they finish games. Yeah. And, and that was the thing I talked about with, with the Steelers and I'm glad to see the bills adopting this too, is that it's not necessarily, you know, you don't have to establish a, a run game to have a run game. If that makes sense. Like if, if right. you, if you can have a good enough pass game, there's always going to be a threat to run, but you get in trouble. The Steelers got in trouble when they went on their, their slide where it was, they just kept trying to force a run game and everybody's like, Oh, they they're losing games because they can't, run the ball and like no they're losing games because they are running the ball right like if you're yep. getting one yard a carry from benny snell and you give them the ball 15 times like that's not gonna work <laughs> yeah that's a quarter that's a quarter to a third of your plays that have gone for one yard you know so yep. i i do like to see what what the the bills and, and josh allen and like you said dable have have cooked together but i do want to know because i mean this has been a, a transformation for for josh allen for sure but the bills right now are are you know, went 13-3 in the regular season, went to the AFC Championship game, and uh, not to pat myself on the back, but I did say at the beginning of the year, <laughs> Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game, no big deal, it's whatever. Uh, but in your best guess, what really led to the Bills getting to this point? Is there, if you had to put it on one thing, what is what is that thing that got the Bills to the AFC Championship game? It's it's one man. It's Stefan Diggs. I think he's the biggest difference maker on this team because. You know, it's kind of like it's been the mantra all year that Josh and he's like, he's always open. I mean, he's always open back to back games with over 100 receiving yards. They make sure that put him in a position to succeed. 
And, and the craziest thing about Diggs, and, and this sounds stupid, but he came over and he was a, he's been a really good teammate. And he, he's been a guy that hasn't caused any issues like we saw when he came in. You know, people were like, oh, I don't know what's going on in Minnesota or whatever. He went right to work. And, you know, him and Josh Allen, you've seen the postgame interviews. Like, they're fun. They're, they're having that connection. I think that's one of the biggest reasons. And I think the second reason has obviously been the, the development of Josh Allen. And his, his throwing ability has gotten so much better because his, he, he's a lot more quiet, you know. His base is a little bit more set. His feet aren't moving as much when he delivers. And he just some of the throws he's made this year aren't throws that he makes last year. You know, it, it's, it's not throwing in a double coverage. It's waiting for your next guy to get open. It's, it's not, you know, locking in on that first route. It's not running. You know, you, you see the play sometimes with Josh Allen where it's like, all right, that, that kind of looked like last year's Josh Allen because that, that's still inside of him. He's still a guy that wants he, – he doesn't give up on plays, and that can cost him. We saw it in the Colts game. If the Colts recover that fumble and score – that's game over and the whole game is, is on, it's on Josh Allen for fumbling that ball despite playing a good game outside of that. So you still see some of that, but his ability to kind of calm himself down and, and kind of stay within the moment has been a huge help because the defense isn't the same as last year. It's, it's the same guys. They're just, you know, they're a year older. Mm-hmm. I think they're, you know, my theory is maybe they're a little, t- they've been a little tired of having to, to be, you know, the carrying force for the bills all these years, but you know, now they're clicking, and I think Leslie Frazier has them playing well, but the biggest difference has to be Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs just building that chemistry, and, and that's that's a scary tandem. Yeah, you didn't have to bring up the Colts game. I'm we sorry. Gone. Look, I know we didn't get to talk about it last week because I, I wasn't able to come on, but, I mean, the Colts played a perfect – they played the perfect game plan. They, they put the perfect script together, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what the Chiefs do next week because they've ran the ball – pretty they ran the ball pretty well today when they did so I think that's going to be a very similar game plan it's kind of going to be the the, the cat and I hope Mahomes plays I, I gotta say like as much as it's like oh you get to play Chad Henney like everyone wants to see Mahomes versus Allen like everyone wants to see that yeah. just, just let it happen I hope he's all right yeah and it, and it, and if the Bills do eventually make it to the Super Bowl and win you want it to be you know because you took down Mahomes yeah. and you took down Rodgers exactly but I, again I, I'm not gonna there won't be an asterisk next to it for me if, if yeah they, yeah if they're if they go through but yeah I mean it'd be it'd be fun to to see them finally do it it's it's you know you predicted it before the year but ever since you know week eight week nine as the Bills started to pick up momentum people kept saying well this is the this is it when do we get to watch Bills Chiefs so it feels like it would be a crime to football if we weren't able to see both these quarterbacks at full strength yeah, no, and and that would be quite the list of quarterbacks that the Bills would take down if they eventually yeah. do go to the Super Bowl because it's Rodgers or Brady, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and obviously Phil Rivers. I can't yeah. forget. I can't forget. Can't about forget that. Phil Rivers. You know he. No, Phil Rivers played. I thought he played a really good, really good game in yeah. that one. I mean, again, perfect game plan. They kept the ball away from the Bills. The, they absolutely dominated time of possession, field position. It's just that you know, down the stretch, some, some questionable play calling and things like coaching has been so big, I think in, in these playoffs so far, mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of saw the, the Browns, I thought Stefanski kind of mismanaged the end, not the, the, not going for it, but the timeout situation was kind of rough. Didn't like the challenge, you know, things like that. It just goes to show how important coaching is when it comes to the playoffs, especially. Yeah. Well, let's actually, let's take a quick detour because this was something I did want to get into a little bit just on some of these coaching decisions, because I think you look back at, um, and there was a couple that stick out of my mind that I've, you know, been kind of ruminating over Mike Vrabel's decision to punt on fourth and two, two times where I think the ball was about midfield absolutely killed the game because you're basically, you're basically saying, 
you know, to a defense that, mind you, allowed 35 points to the Texans the week before. We're going to trust you guys to, to, to shut it down and not trust their 2,000-yard rusher to get them three yards. And I understand the Ravens had a fantastic game last week defensively, yeah. as we talked about, but it was plays like that. It was, it was Mike Tomlin's decision to punt when their offense was in a groove. He absolutely killed momentum um and and you know giving the ball to the browns and essentially putting the game away um but for for i know a lot of people were getting after frank reich and his decision to go for it on that on that um fourth and goal uh and you know obviously because it was a three-point game it becomes more magnified but i think you know if you're looking at it this is a bills team that can get hot and score at any moment you can't trade field goals for touchdowns and you can't argue with what would be, you know, a 17 to seven lead going into the halftime. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that, you know, the pass wasn't three inches closer and, and Pittman doesn't bring it down and the bills do exactly what everyone expected them to do and go 96 yards down the field and score. Um, yes. It was a backbreaker. Yes. It killed, it killed me because it was like, all right, the Colts outplayed the bills the entire first half and they're down four points, but the idea in and of itself to go for it, I don't think is bad. And, and, you know, even, even Andy Reid's decision on fourth and one to throw, I was like, this is, this is risky, but it makes sense. And especially because it works, but so, so it's, yeah. it's so hard to, to, you know, because if you're somebody who's conservative and it's like, all right, I, I want to see him punt the ball. Let's trust the defense, pin them back, play the field position game. Or somebody who says, look, if they don't have the ball, they can't score. So let's do everything we can to not give them the ball. I think a lot of it when it comes to coaching decisions for me, it has to be what, what did you say in the moment? You know, mm -hmm. you can't go back in hindsight because if, if Frank Reich goes for it there, the Colts score a touchdown and go up 10. I mean, that, that, that might be a backbreaker like that. You're like, okay, like that, that, that. So in the moment, I didn't, the only reason I didn't like it is because the play before they lost, they lost yards and it was kind of a weird play where it's like, I thought they were just going to run up the middle. They kind of, try to get exactly. outside it was kind of yeah. a weird play that was the only it kind of like that felt like the bills defense was was kind of in a good spot but i didn't hate them going for it there but when you look at you know you mentioned the the tomlin punt the the variable like those are in the moment plays where like you have to go for it you know you mm -hmm. have to go for it there because i mean what what's the worst that happened i think the titans the second punt they had i think went into the end zone anyways like i think yeah. they only netted like and it was on yards of field yeah it, it was on the ravens 40 so it just yeah made it even worse so it was it was nothing like that that's just a terrible call like those are calls i think that are inexcusable and then you know the way the browns game went you know there's kind of an argument going on with with some of the guys from the site you know people saying go i i think there you i think you punt like i think i'm okay with that because it's fourth and long the three plays before that were terrible. You weren't looking all that great. So I'm okay with the punt. It's just tough when, you know, because if the Browns had three timeouts and they punted, it's like, okay, that obviously that's the right decision. You're going to yeah. get the ball back. It's just the fact that they had to call, they had to burn a timeout after getting that fourth down. And then when they had the, the, the missed challenge, which was kind of a head scratcher, like you lose those timeouts. That's where I think it's, it's big because that's one of the biggest things in coaching. Like maybe we don't talk about it enough, but timeout management is so huge. And the way that Stefanski kind of, kind of messed those two up i think that's really what hurt them more than not going for it on that fourth down yeah no absolutely I, I i do think just with everything in the situation you're going up against the backup quarterback i don't mind the decision to punt because if you miss it you essentially put them in field goal range then it's an eight point game whereas you you punt it and they did almost everything right. What they didn't account for was Chad Henney running for 12 yards on a third. What 13. an insane play. What like, an insane play. I mean, 
I think that was one of those plays where everyone watching like stood up, like they stood up and were like, like my like I'm watching all that. With my dad were like, what? Like Chad had just took off or. <laughs> And he got up. He's like, "Yeah, first down." He's like, "No, it wasn't a first down, dude." And then they trust him to make the next throw. Like that—that's insane, right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just—that's just gutsy, especially after that—that that terrible pick you threw on the drive before. Yeah, I—I I, it was—it was weird because it felt like momentum had shifted when he threw that pick in the end zone. It was like, "Oh yeah, hey, the Browns like, oh. are going to win this thing." Yep. And then I was like, "Hang on, I mean, they are the Browns." But <laughs> look, it was a great—it was a great game from them, and we'll—and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But. I think the final thing I want to say on this is however you played it during the season, I think you need to stay consistent because that's what guys are expecting from you. That's how they're getting ready in the moment. Like if you're a guy who does play the field position game, your defense knows, look, we got to show up every game, but if in the biggest moments you're going to, you're going to flip a switch and do something uncharacteristic, your guys aren't ready for it. Then you have people questioning your decision-making, not because you made the wrong decision, but you've done one thing the whole year everybody's mentally prepared for it. And then you, and you switch. Uh, so, you know, that, I think that's consistency is the biggest thing. Uh, you know, you can, we can argue till we're blue in the face, like what makes more sense, what the analytics say, you know, all this stuff. But if you stay consistent and your guys are ready to play, uh, and and you have the utmost trust in your guys, I I think that's what's, what's most important, but, uh, certainly it's an interesting conversation because, you know, it's impossible to know, like there's no right answer. Like there's not one yeah. stat I could pull from either side that, yeah. that could convince everybody. Uh, and, and that's why it's a fun debate. Yeah. And quickly I'll say it. It's also tough for these coaches because the NFL is such a knee jerk reaction league. Like it, it feels like they're coaching scared sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not like Vrabel's going to get fired based on the outcome of that game, but you know, it could lead to something down the road. Like that's the tough part is these jobs are so hard to come by when they get them. But when you're in the playoffs, I mean, it's do or die time. And that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's under a microscope, you know, if that's a week exactly. seven game, we're not talking about it the same way as we are as a, as a playoff game. And that's why coaching is so important. Yeah. Big time. No big time. All right. So for the Ravens, in the off season, we talked about it. I mean, first off is, is keeping as many guys on this team as you can. I think the defense is great. They've got a future stud in JK Dobbins, maybe a stud right now. Uh, that Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins combo is, is going to win them a lot of games next year. But I think whether oh, yeah. it's through the draft, whether it's through, you know, for agency, if they've got the money for it, if they can find a big body, true number one wide receiver, I think they've got a lot of speedsters and, and slot guys that will complement that. But you look at uh, the Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins, the Bills getting Stephon Diggs, that, those were moves that really helped elevate their quarterbacks and elevate their team to another level. So I think that's kind of the move for these Ravens. And there are a couple of guys out there, Allen Robinson, maybe Kenny Galladay, um, yep. as well as in the draft. So I'm excited to see it, but I, I, I think it has to be their number one priority on the wish list is getting a, a big body, true number one receiver. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, it, it was just, it, it becomes very apparent because they're a team that, like you said, they're built to run, but they just don't have their, like, you don't want Willie Sneed to be your number two option at receiver. Like obviously Mark Andrews is more of your, your number one option in general, but you want to have some receivers. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, people talk about Lamar Jackson a lot, and, that, and that's fine. And I think that, you know, quarterbacks sometimes have to elevate the play of the receivers. But, I mean, you saw, you know, NBC does a good job, you know, after plays they'll show the coverage on this guy, on this guy. Like, mm-hmm. the Ravens aren't getting open. Like, they're, they're just not. And Hollywood had a couple of good plays. I mean, if, if Huntley makes that pass, he's wide open. I mean, mm-hmm. wide open. If he makes that pass, that could have been a, a different game. And, and I like Hollywood Brown, but he's kind of up and down. You know, you want that, like you said, you want that true big body number one receiver. And there's, 
some good options out there. Kenny Galladay, like you said, Allen, Allen Robinson is going to be a really hot commodity because I think there's, I mean, what team couldn't use him? But there's a lot of teams that could exactly. really use him. So that's definitely a big option there. And I think guys around the league, and as they should, I think Lamar Jackson's a guy that people like, people respect. So I think I think it'd be cool to to see him get some help because the way they play, like you said, they play great against teams that they're better than, but they've got to take it to that next level. And that's what that receiver can do for them. Yeah, no, I'm excited for him. And, you know, with whatever money they have, it's an attractive free agent destination. You get to play with yeah. a superstar quarterback, a legit defense, a great running game. And so there's a lot of, of factors that would lead a lot of guys to want to go play there. But I mean, money's going to be an issue because Lamar in a couple of years, I mean, an they underrated thing. Soon. Yeah. yeah, the underrated thing that we're not talking about is the Ravens moving up to the back end of the first. That gives them that fifth year option yep. they wouldn't otherwise have, which I yeah. think is going to be big come down the stretch because he's commanding, you know, top quarterback money. But if they can delay that just one more year, that's huge for the salary cap and it allows them to to really build up and and make another run at the Super Bowl. That's why I was surprised before the game, there was a lot of whisperings like, oh, they're, they're going to talk contracts now. So I I don't know how it'll turn out, but like you said, he's going to command a lot. Like that's the thing. I mean, Lamar is going to get paid soon. Josh Allen's going to have to get paid soon. Uh, you know, a year after that, Baker's going to have to get paid. Like these teams are, could look completely different. Cause once you get off that quarterback rookie contract, it's time to, to figure out where you're going to cut some of the fat off, you know, whether mm. it be your defense or, or it usually ends up being the defense. So that that's the interesting part of, of these quarterbacks. Once you have to pay them. Yeah. I mean, just look at the Seahawks, right? Like they yeah. did, they did everything right that you could have expected. You know, they got a really talented quarterback in the third round in Russell Wilson, uh, and then they had the Legion of Boom defense. They had Marshawn Lynch. They had all the pieces. Uh, they went to two Super Bowls, won one of them. And since then, you know, they haven't had the money to pay these top guys. They've let Earl Thomas go, Richard Sherman go. Um, and, you know, they're, I mean, this is, you know, we could get into a whole other conversation, but I, I don't want, I don't want to do that. But, it, you know, it's, it's hard. Like what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the Patriots did is very hard to replicate because you're not only drafting guys well, you're letting guys go a year or two years early so that you're not stuck with bad contracts in the final two. And you're finding guys that people gave up on, you know, a a year too early. So it's, you know, the more I watch these teams kind of fall apart after they have to spend a lot of money on their quarterback, the more you have to respect, you know, not only Tom Brady taking a pay cut, but Bill Belichick's mind and just building that perfect roster. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And, the once that clock starts once you draft that guy it's go time you got to win in that window and that's why like that's why I think the Jets are such a fascinating case just because Sam Darnold going into his fourth year like he's he's kind of nearing towards the end of that contract so I wouldn't blame the Jets if they're like hey let's just let's start a new clock let's restart let's get a guy like Fields and reset our clock but those those are just really tough decisions to make because you want to find your franchise quarterback obviously that's the main goal of every team in the NFL, but once you find them, you're going to have to pay them. And that means sacrificing around them. Yeah. I mean, and look at all four teams that are still left alive. Those are top level yeah. quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, three of them, three of them are, are, you know, in the MVP conversation and the fourth one's 44 years old, but through 40 touchdowns a season, you know? Yeah. So it's like the, you need quarterback to, play you need is important. Quarterback. It's pretty important. You know, our good friend, big Hoppa likes to downplay the importance of quarterbacks, but Man, if you don't have – it just seems like if you don't have an elite one or a close to elite one. I mean, we, we talked about all week, the, the, the quarterbacks going into this weekend. I mean, besides Jared Goff, and, and he's not terrible, but he's not the, at the same level of all the other guys, but you need good quarterback play. And 
you know, New Orleans had a guy that was a great quarterback, but not so much anymore. And, and we kind of saw what happened there. Yeah, no, it's 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 a big deal. And also kind of ironic that Hop is a Packers fan, but doesn't understand the importance of really good. Quarterback I, it's players. crazy. It's like, you know, you get handed, you get Brett Favre, he passes it right down to Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure Jordan Love is going to turn into a superstar at some point and you still can't appreciate good quarterback play. Yeah, no, we're 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 big Jordan Love fans <laughs> on this podcast here. I hope he gets a shot. But one more thing before we go, I mean, for the Colts, it's like from all of my life, save for the 2012 season where we end up getting Andrew Luck, you've got the quarterback, you know, and the, and the success that comes with it. And it's fun. But this year and, and last year was the first years that we really had a full team to support the quarterback. And we didn't have that star quarterback. So, you know, you see Deshaun Watson up on the trade block. What would I give up for him? the first offer I put in is our next four first round picks. If I'm the Indianapolis Colts, like that's how yep. valuable it is because even though you're going to have to pay them all this money, that's worth it. That gets your team over the hump. They're a team that's ready to, to go in and, 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 and take it to the next level. And we'll talk about Sean Watson here at the end of the show, but it's, it's so important. It is, it's a very big deal. And, and we see this with the, the teams that are still left. Yeah, we do. And, and like you said, I mean, four for, I mean, Trade value in the NFL is so weird because, like, Jamal Adams gets two first-rounders, but, like, we saw the, the Hopkins trade and things like that. But, I mean, if you can get your hands on Watson, like you said, I mean, four, I, I'd give up four first-rounders in a heartbeat. I mean, that's that's a franchise piece right there. And I'm, I, don't, I don't think I see Houston uh, moving him over to Indy, but you never know. You know it could happen, but uh, I, don't, I don't think they'd want to face him two times a year for the next decade. Yeah, a guy can dream, but that's I think that's too much. <laughs> They're giving the Colts and, and Watson too much bulletin board material. So oh yeah, yeah definitely not. All right. So we got two more games here left. We've talked, we touched on them a little bit because you know we're, we're kind of circulating the conversation here. But uh Browns and Chiefs, I mean, this was a game where everybody had, you know, had visions of the the Big 12 and and Texas AM versus Oklahoma, uh Baker versus is Patrick Mahomes and it kind of turned out to be, you know, it was it was leading up to be that way until Mahomes went down. Chiefs had essentially scored on every single drive. I don't think they punted once the whole game. They they had a, a field goal miss, but the offense was cruising for them. But the the Browns, you know, made it a game here back at the end. I mean, it, you know, not it's 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 amazing. They talked about on the broadcast the Chiefs have now hosted three straight AFC Championship games. I mean, that's hard to do. And and talk about maximizing a quarterback on a rookie contract. That's absolutely what they did. Credit to yep. the Browns. We're big Browns fans on the podcast. I had Stefanski's coach of the year. I had the Browns going 11 and five beginning of the season. Again, not to pat myself on the back, but it. you Perfect. know, like the, the, it was exactly, you know, you, you go out and you, you draft a left tackle in Dredrick Willis, you sign Jack Conklin, you've got the one, two punch of, of, of Chubb and, and Hunt and Baker took a big step this year. I think that's the big key that a lot of people, you know, maybe haven't realized that I think as we move into the off season and kind of look at this season from uh, 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 the, the rear view mirror, the guy threw two picks in his last 10 games. He did a great job of taking care of the ball, even without Odell Beckham Jr. Donovan Peoples Jones stepped up big, Rashard Higgins stepped up big, but this team is dangerous from the play action. Like the offense is lethal, you know, and you can't be, can't be said how much credit goes out to them um, for a great season. And this is a team that, gives me no reason not to believe that they won't be back in this situation next year. No, I mean, they're perfectly built. Like you said, I mean, their offensive line has been on. I mean, they, they made Wyatt Teller into one of the best offensive linemen in the game. I mean, I'm like, how did the bills not find this out? How did they not <laughs> tap into that potential? But I mean, they've got the offensive line. They've got 
the receivers. And, and that'll be an interesting conversation to see kind of uh, how, how the Odell situation plays out and, and how that's going to go. But their play action, I mean, Nick Chubb's a beast. We all know this. And the, the craziest thing about this game is, you know, they were talking about on the broadcast, like, oh, this is only the, sec- the second punt of the game. And I'm like, two pu- like, if you think, okay, Browns, Chiefs, two punts, 22 to 17. Like, that's not what you're thinking. Like, you're thinking this game is going to be in the 40s. It's going to mm-hmm. be like that that old Texas Tech, Oklahoma shootout. But, again, it, it kind of was that that bend-don't-break defense for for both these teams. And some weird plays, some really weird plays going on. We had the, the touchback rule. We had the uh, people arguing about missed calls all over the place. And at the end of the day, the Browns had a chance to win that game. And they, they weren't able to. I'm not going to say they blew the game. Obviously, they didn't have the lead at any point. But that was a game that they could have won. And I think if you're a Browns fan, you're upset, obviously, at the outcome. But you have to look at your team and say, look, if you told me in September we'd be down five to the Chiefs with four minutes left with a chance to go to the AFC Championship game, like, sign me up for that. Like, you think about that, that means Baker Mayfield had a really good year, which he did. You think that everything kind of went into went into place with the run game. And the defense, you know, at times it looked terrible. But I think fully healthy, it's not the worst thing ever. You know, they have a couple good pieces. There's some holes. There's definitely some holes there. But I think when you have a, a great centerpiece and a guy like Miles Garrett, when you have a guy like Denzel Ward playing corner, like they have the the, the structure there on defense. Like, you know, I have to tip the cap to the Browns because they had a, a really good year and, and they're going to be here again. You know, it's the NFL. There's so much turnover, but you can see that the foundation that's there isn't going to go next year. So this is a, a really dangerous team going forward. Yeah, I, I love one of my favorite things to watch on, on Sundays is turn the TV on and watch Baker Mayfield roll out on a play action pass and just oh, see yeah. the amount of green grass that he has out in front of. I mean, it's expansive. You have you have to commit to shutting down Nick Chubb. But if they don't hand off the ball, Baker's rolling to his left and has all the time in the world. Um, I mean, it's 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 incredible. I will say we talked about this in, in our group chat a little bit. But this, this rule, I'm, I don't know if I'm a big fan of the, you know, if you fumble the ball and it goes out the back of the end zone, it's a touchback for the other team rule. Um, so I, I said it on in our group chat. I'm going to say it here. This is my proposal to, to fix that rule. So I know there are rules in place that you can't advance the ball on the fumble in like the last two minutes of the game or the last five. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Yeah. So make a quick modification of that. Uh, and it's that the offensive player cannot recover a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. So if the offensive player recovers it, it would go back to where it was fumbled. Uh, also, same goes for if the ball goes out of the back of the end zone, it goes back to that same spot. The only way that possession changes is if the defense recovers the ball in the end zone, then it would be a touchback and they would take over because, I mean, yeah, we've seen it a couple times here or there, but obviously this was a big stage and in a game that yeah. the Chiefs won by five points, a touchdown is, is, you know, that makes a difference right there. It's, so it's like once every year, every other year, we, we like rehash this, this debate. Yeah. So I think that makes the most sense. It's a slight modification to a rule that's already in place because of, I feel like it was something in the eighties. I remember reading about it where like some dude like kind of uh, like yeah, rolled sure. the ball on the ground and like didn't recover it till it was in the end zone. So they made that rule to, to stop it. So just make a quick adjustment to that rule and expand it into uh, in the end zone. That way everybody wins because sure, I mean, Daniel Sorensen made a heck of a play, right? Like that's that's literally a game-saving play, even though it was all the way back, you know, at, at halftime um, or towards the end of the, the second quarter. But 
I mean, without clear recovery, it's, it's tough. And I know Browns fans are probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They should have had that rule in going into the game, but that's the way the NFL works. You know, these things happen. We see these, these uh, discrepancies and and maybe where we can fix it. And now it's up to the NFL to say, all right, we know that that doesn't make sense. Or maybe they think it does make sense either way. What are we going to do to remedy the situation? See, I'm very happy that you came with a proposal because that's the thing. Like people complain about it. It's like, well, you, you need a solution then. You can't just be like, well, this is bad. Well, how are you going to change it? Like, I think that would make a lot of sense. Like, it doesn't make sense that a guy reaching for the pylon that gets, you know, that fumbles it. Like, it doesn't make sense that that would be a change of possession because any other time it would just be, okay, let's yeah. put the ball back where the guy fumbled it. Like, there's no, you know, there's no reason to be like, okay, well, like. Since no, you forced sorry, it, I guess you get ball. it. Yeah. Because that's like saying they can, re- like. That's like saying this entire out of bounds out of the back of the end zone is recovering a fumble. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So I agree with you. I think that needs to be changed. And like you said, that was definitely a game changing play. Um, a lot of argument also kind of came from, you know, should that have been a, a helmet to helmet hit, which I, I can see the, the argument in that as well. But, you know, we can argue it's a dumb rule, but the rule was there. It's not like it magically appeared like we knew it was a rule. So it's definitely stupid and we can say it's stupid and we can want to change it. But if I'm a Browns fan, I'd probably be more mad about the non-call than I would the the uh, the touchback rule. But again, like you said, the NFL, we saw it with the Rams-Saints game uh, a couple of years ago where they, they tried to do the, the challenge pass interference and things like that. Uh, so I could see it being changed. It just feels like it's one of those rules that every few years when it happens, we spark this debate again, and then it doesn't get changed. So it's like, I don't know if it's actually ever going to be changed. Yeah, no, and it's, it, you're right, it may not, like, I don't know if it's something that happens consistently enough, but whatever the case, still a great game. I mean, it was probably one of the more exciting 22 to 17 games I've seen in a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, just in terms of, you know, it had a little bit of everything. And I mean, you hit it right on the on the spot there. It was a bend don't break game for both teams. Uh, and it all worked out, which, you know, culminated by a, a Chad Henney, you know, near like that's the only thing that could have been more perfect is if he actually had gotten the first down, I think just, but the, it was kind of the cherry on top to convert that fourth and one too. So uh, yeah. great game Let's all the see. way around. Got to. Yeah. Uh, looking at the off season for the Browns though, I think what we've seen is that defense is a, an issue, something that needs to be addressed for them. They've got playmakers, you know, and, and obviously they've got Grant Delphit coming back. He towards Achilles in uh, the, the preseason or I think or training camp or, or whatever it was. So he'll be back next season. But linebackers are are a concern, need to do a better job of, of shoring that up and maybe getting some other guys in there with Miles Garrett. Um, but Denzel yeah. Ward, Miles Garrett uh, and Grant Delphit when he returns, you've got some very good playmakers in, in, in place. But you got to make sure that it's a, a, a full defensive unit. And to be honest with you, just looking at what some of these defenses, how they've been turned around, maybe, you know, I don't know who the defensive coordinator is and I'm not saying he should be fired, but I think the method that makes a lot of sense for a lot of these teams, you look at Leslie Frazier with the bills, you look at Jack Del Rio with Washington. If you can find a former head coach, a defensive minded head coach and bring him in there. Like there are a lot of teams that have a lot of success bring in a, a veteran coach who's been there before, who's willing to be uh, that defensive coordinator. And um, I'm not saying it's a coaching thing. You know, I, I think they played the chiefs. They played, you know, one of the best offenses in NFL history yeah. in terms of weapons they can throw at you. But um, yeah, I think in the off season, the biggest priority is just finding a, a couple more key pieces, a couple more playmakers on defense. 
Yeah, and I agree. I think the D-line could use a little bit of help. I mean, obviously, Miles Garrett is that guy, but you kind of see what Washington did. You know, they don't need just that one guy. They want a couple mm-hmm. guys that can go and get after the quarterback or guys that can stop the run, guys that can do different things. And I think that's kind of what the Browns are lacking. But I got to give them credit. I think the second half, they played a lot better. Like, it seemed like the first quarter, especially, was like, okay, the Chiefs are going to march down. They're going to score. They're, they're, they're going to do whatever they want. And obviously, mm-hmm. when Mahomes goes out, that's obviously a big deal because once Matt Moore or not Matt Moore, Chad Henney, I was expecting Matt Moore. But yeah, yeah, Chad yeah. Chad Henney <laughs> comes into that game. It's kind of a uh, a different story, but they did make good second half adjustments. As you said, I think it could be a philosophy thing. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Bills, Washington, teams like that have have had that success. So I think that could definitely be uh, a big thing. And you know, speaking of defenses for Kansas City, I mean, this is going to be uh, a fun game next week because I, I think this is the Definitely the worst defense the Bills have played this postseason so far. And, you know, the way that these two teams are trending right now with the Bills defense playing a little better. Uh, Casey, they weren't terrible today at all. I mean, I thought they had a, a, a few good plays. They're kind of a team that, ha- again, has some names on it, has some playmakers, but not a complete unit. So that's one of those games where it's like, well, you know, if it's a back and forth battle, I might trust the Bills defense a little bit more to make that stop. Um, but that is if the Bills can get their offense, you know, cooking t- to the late season kind of capabilities but this isn't you know this isn't a Chiefs defense that's going to play shut down like the Colts or the Ravens would so that that's the biggest thing here is you know can Kansas City get a couple more weeks of decent defense out of this unit yeah no it's going to be a unique uh AFC championship game for sure we got one more game on the day and then I want to dive into that because I'm excited to hear uh kind of your thoughts on it but Saints Bucks I mean I'll be completely honest with you I thought this was the Saints game. It all makes sense. You know, going into the season, Drew Brees last year, they're going to put it together. Nice and magical run. And really all the way up until that Jared Cook fumble, I was like, I was convinced. Yeah. Even, even after I was like, nah, I mean, the Chiefs were, or the Saints were in control this whole game. But I mean, if you look at this game now from the outside perspective, Drew Brees wasn't throwing the ball further than 15 yards on, on every play. They score 13 points with him on the field. Uh, seven of those came on a nice, uh, a nice Jameis Winston little trick. Well, it was the same play that, that the bears ran against him last week. And people are like, Oh, that's lazy play calling by Sean Payton. I feel like that's kind of genius. If you saw that it beat you so well, who's to say you can't bring it out the next week and and beat, you know, the, the, the team you're playing against with it. But I mean, great ball, great play design, all that stuff. But when Jameis Winston wasn't on the field, they scored 13 points. And um, I mean, Look, I know it would have been an unpopular move and you want to go out with your guy, especially if, it's, if he's in his last season. But I truly believe Jameis Winston would have been the better option for that team. I mean, I've been saying it for, for a while now. Obviously, we're, we're very pro Jameis Winston on this podcast. But I mean, Drew Brees struggled to push the ball down the field and that ended up being the nail in their coffin. Yep, that's the biggest thing for me. That's why I was so high on the Bucks in the game. That's why I took them to win because I just couldn't trust Drew Brees. You know, it's one of those games we see, like, you know, the Saints come out and they're all black uniforms or in the dome. It's like, ah, man, like, Drew Brees might have more go at this. But then it's like, when they went down 10 with five minutes left, they came out and threw a five-yard pass. They ran the ball. Like, they clearly did not trust Drew Brees to push the ball downfield. And whenever he tried to, he got intercepted. And a lot of that has to do with with Drew Brees, but also I think the Bucks defense deserves a little bit of credit. I mean, they've been playing uh, a lot better lately, especially once they got healthy. I think that was the biggest thing. You know, once they got healthy, 
on defense. And you saw, I mean, Levante David is just, he's a beast. He's a, he, he's a freak. He made a lot of great plays for that defense. And, and that's why I like the Bucks because as much as Brady didn't, he didn't play great at all. I mean, that first half was an abomination of a, of a quarterback game there. There's a lot of laughing about Troy Aikman, like, oh, you know, we got to watch these, you know, learn a few things from these guys. It's like, well, not really. You should probably be watching the, the young guys go at it. But it's kind of, you know, one of those respect things. But, yeah, I agree. I think if Jameis starts this game, I think the Saints win. I mean, they weren't able to really utilize their weapons to their to their full potential outside of Alvin Kamara, who obviously is going to get a lot of a lot of action with Drew Brees in the game. But they just didn't – the Saints just didn't have that quarterback. And, and I said it early on in the year, and it picked up steam because – I feel like when people when you think when people think you're talking about uh, James Winston, I think it's like a, a joke or a meme, but like it's actually true. Like I legitimately want James Winston in that situation because I think he gives you the opportunity to throw the ball deep to kind of blow through the box coverage. Like it's not that hard to game plan against Drew Brees when you know he's he's not throwing the ball further than 10 yards. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing is like you look at this game, Drew Brees was 19 to 34, 134 yards, a touchdown and three picks right? If Jameis throws three picks in the game, you know, it's paired with 350 yards yeah. and probably three touchdowns, which is something you can live with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was really big on, you know, maybe a Washington upset in the first round. And I like the saints um, in this one. So I've just been wrong on the bucks both times. And I think I finally understand why, uh, you know, I was both times. I was like, I mean, I don't know. Tom Brady's been struggling, you know, He's looked inaccurate at times. He's just missing balls. There was a couple of times in this game where he could have gotten intercepted. I mean, there's, there was a, you know, just a, uh, couldn't get that, that second foot down and then kind of hit another dude in the hands. Um, but it truly is that defense. They forced four yeah. turnovers and scored 21 points off of that. Right. Anytime you can do that, that's going to be a big difference in the game. That's a huge swing because really this Tampa Bay offense had what, maybe two good drives like two solid full drives the rest of the time it was you know there, there were turnovers in in good territory where they basically got a short field and, and took advantage of it so it's everything working in tandem for these guys um and and i was reading that actually a, a tampa bay super bowl so if they go out and win it would actually cost sports books a lot of money because you know when oh, tom brady wow. went to the bucks everyone was dropping yeah. you know super bowl prop bets like oh they're going to the super bowl all this stuff and now it's a very real thing. They're going into the championship game. But I was, yeah, I was reading that, that uh, sports books around the country are like, no, please, anything, anything but the bit, anything but the bucks. This is going to be a, a big loser, um, which yeah. is weird to think. And you could have the like, home field advantage too. They could be the first team to, to finally get that Super Bowl home field advantage as well. Yeah, it's, it, it's weird because, you know, normally with those prop bets, it's like, oh, they're going to be good either way because the, the money's kind of spread out. But I guess with plus odd, like it's, it's crazy, but yeah. anyways, yeah, it's Tom. If Tom Brady takes care of the football, doesn't make a mistake. You got sacked once today. So they're doing a great job of basically limiting his mistakes and the defense is setting him up with prime position to, to go out and, and win these games. They're, they're scary. I mean, it's all coming together for them at the right time. They're, they truly are peaking. I think this might've been their best game as a full unit. Uh, and that's scary for, for any team, especially a Packers team that lost to them 38 to 10 earlier in the season. Yeah, especially when, and you look at their offense and Tom Brady wasn't great. Uh, Godwin, I don't know what's going on. He's had a couple of, a couple of rough drops this postseason. Antonio Brown was on the sideline for, for the majority of that second half. Like, and even with all that going on, they still found a way to, to make it work. And that, that's the thing. And 
playoff money, Leonard Fournette is having a, a great postseason for them and, and to get Ronald Jones back a little bit. You can tell he's still kind of feeling it in his quad, but he had a couple of big runs for them as well. So there's not really a ton of weakness on this team. I mean, you could almost argue that possibly their biggest weakness is Tom Brady, just because some of the some of the plays here in the first half, I thought he looked real I thought he looked really rough. And then he kind of picked it up. But that, you know, if Lattimore picks off that that one, uh, I think it was a third down they were driving. Uh, late in the third, that's a completely different game. If they don't get those three points, uh, mm-hmm. that could have been a game changer. Like that's a, a read that you don't see Tom Brady missing. So I'm not saying that that he's washed by any means because I've been I've been pretty high on the Bucks this year because I think Tom Brady still has a little bit left. Unlike Drew Brees, I think Brady still has a little bit of zip. And and you saw, I mean, a few weeks ago he's throwing bombs. He's still got some arm strength in him, which was a big question. So. And this is a scary team, and that's going to be a, a, a fun game in Lambo. I mean, that's the great thing, I think, about Brady going to the NFC. Like, he, he just played Drew Brees in the playoffs. He's playing Aaron Rodgers. Like, these are matchups we dreamed about seeing in the Super Bowl every year. And obviously, Brady and, and Brees more on the, the downward tilt of the careers. But to, to see him play these guys is just so fun. Yeah, and Tom Brady, they said at the end of the game, which is insane, 14-2 and two in divisional games in his career. Which yeah. is, I mean, guys don't win 14 games, playoff games in their whole career, much less, no. you know, in just one saw, specific round. Drew Brees, I believe, is uh, nine and nine now in his, uh, in his postseason career. So kind of, I, I kind of wonder, it, it's different because Drew Brees has a million records and, and we know how great he is. But I wonder, you know, if the Saints don't win that Super Bowl, how do we talk about Drew Brees? Because he's great. I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from Drew Brees because I think he's, he's fantastic and the numbers are there and he's great. I love that he is, you know, he is the New Orleans Saints. And I think that that's great as well. You know, I, I wonder, you know, I still think he's, he's, you'd be talked about higher than Phil Rivers, but I mean, it's just interesting to, to, to take into account. He only made that the one Super Bowl he wanted, obviously, but I, I just wonder how we talk about Drew Brees if that doesn't go down. It's same, kind of not the same, but similar to Russell Wilson, where, Lately, he hasn't been the same as he was, you know, earlier in his career. And maybe that's because he doesn't have as great of a run game or as great of a defense. But there, it's definitely interesting how a Super Bowl can kind of change the narrative a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you're right. If he doesn't win that Super Bowl when he does, I mean, sure, he's got all those records and it's it, it's great. But, you know, is he in that same conversation of uh, as Philip Rivers? You know, guys who were, who, were, who were fun to watch and were very talented, but just, just couldn't get it done. But I, I really yeah. think... I mean, it's, it's crazy because you, you talk about the season, you're going into it. They had Gronk, they had Godwin, they had Evans, they added Antonio Brown. This team is loaded, but on two key third downs, the two moments in the game, and this is why Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He throws an out route to Tyler Johnson, who makes an incredible catch. And we're talking fifth round yeah. rookie. Turn Tyler around Johnson. and the ball is just there. Like there was no time to even react to it. it that, that was crazy. It was, it was incredible. And then, a couple of plays later, third down, it's a, it's a 29 yard pass of Scotty Miller. That was Tom Brady's best ball of the game. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the show. I'm not going to be like, you know, I mean, we had a little fun with the Tom Brady bedtime thing and, and all this stuff with the Washington game, but truly right. Like I, I sent Liam the money. Cause we had a, we had a $20 bet on the, on the saints game. I said, and the Venmo thing, I said, it's Tom's world. We're just living in it. And that's truly yeah. what it is. I mean, that's a dot. You're talking Really, your fifth and sixth best pass catcher on the team. Uh, I'll include, well, maybe sixth and seventh, if you, wherever you put Cam Bray. Those yeah. are the guys 
that make the key plays that extend the drive that eventually lead you to win the game. Um, and that's all, if, if Tom, if that's all he has to do, I mean, why not? Why don't they win the Super Bowl, right? Because you know yeah. he's going to show up in those big moments if the defense can set him up and he just needs to hit on a couple of key throws because those were those were not easy, right? Like Tyler Johnson made a great a great adjustment yeah. on that, but he put it in a place where only yeah. Tyler Johnson could get it, and and the Scotty. I mean, it was it was it was a beauty to watch. So you could. I'm just sitting back. I'm enjoying the show, but I know if uh, you know as a Bills fan, you 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 don't want to hear this, but how fun would it be? to see Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, right? Like, <laughs> no, it would be fun, yeah. Like the, no, the, I, the goat versus the young goat uh, in, in a battle. That, that would be something. It would be fun. I mean, I think no matter the, no matter the quarterback matchup we get in the Super Bowl, it's going to be fun. I mean, that, that's the, the best part about what's going on. But the man, Tom Brady's 43 years old. I'm not, I'm not one of those fans that, that hates Tom Brady for dominating the Bills. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of, of disdain. But I don't. I res- I just respect Tom Brady too much to to really to really go into hate, and I think a lot of people, especially fans, are obviously gonna hate him. But just looking at it from an objective lens, I mean, the guy's just he's just a gamer. He's just a winner. Like you you can't really go at him, and the way that he is on social media now, like it it's like the dude's likable. Like he's become yeah. this likable figure, and he goes down to Tampa Bay. They've got this fun team, like perfectly built to fit him. I mean, he's got the receivers, he's got the O line, the run game, the D, like. This is the the Tom Brady dream. Like, if he has this team 10 years ago, they might win five straight Super Bowls. But that's how good this Bay team is. And, you know, to, to get him this team and to have him be in this situation at 43, I mean, it's just, like you said, let's just sit back and let's watch Tom Brady go out and, and out every week. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, no, we, I think you and me were in similar boats where, you know, he was breaking hearts for you guys in the regular season and he had yeah. a habit of breaking the Colts hearts. <laughs> in the postseason, it seemed, I mean, I looked at, it was only a couple of times, but it felt like a lot more, you know? Yeah. Uh, I but, feel like, yeah, it just felt like it was either the Colts or the Chargers every year. It, it wasn't, but it felt like it was every year. Like, it was like, all right, now it's time to kill Phil Rivers or it's time to kill a young Andrew Luck or, or anything like that, or even back in the in the olden days with, with Peyton Manning. But, I mean, it's just crazy to think that Tom Brady is still playing at this level right now. Yeah, and, and one more thing before we move to the conference championship round, but you have to wonder, maybe he took a page out of Peyton Manning's book, right? Like Peyton Manning got the yeah. neck surgery, the Colts let him go. And he was like, all right, where can I go to best maximize my efforts, right? Like this, that Broncos team was a quarterback away. This Buccaneers yep. team, you know, you know, I, I don't know if they're here with Jameis Winston as much as I love him, but you have to have a guy with that, that certain amount of poise and level and they can't afford to wait and let him grow into that guy. Whereas you bring in a dude who's won six Super Bowls. I mean, you're taking that. A million times yeah. out of a million. Oh yeah, that's the biggest thing. Is it's so weird that when they talk about the Bucks, when we talk about the Bucks now, it's like they didn't even make the, the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl back in the early two thousands, and it's like it doesn't feel like that because this year they've been been so good. And you said like it's not to say that Jameis couldn't do this, but it's like you know he, he still needs maybe a little bit more. Like Brady's poised; he's been there before. Like you said, they kind of were the time they were Tom Brady away from going on this run. So let's just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. All right. So we got a little bit more to cover here. Uh, so Bucks Packers, uh, the line is opened up at minus three and a half. This is an interesting one because it can go a variety of ways. I mean, this is a, this is a red hot 
Packers offense. This isn't the Saints offense that the Bucs are going to be trying to shut down. This is a team that that gave the number one scoring defense fits, dropped 32 points on them. Uh, so it's going to be no cakewalk. But at the same time, the Packers defense has shown a level of, of increasing ability, but they're not playing a Rams offense. They're playing a hot, yeah. a red hot uh, Buccaneers team and a quarterback who threw 40 touchdown passes. Now, I understand, you know, the edge has to go to the Bucs because they, they, you know, just ran over them 38 to 10 in the regular season. But I think it's safe to say these are two very different teams. They're oh, yeah. not the teams that, that, that they were when they met back when I think, I think it was week five. Very it was early. It was early. And I remember I had a decent bit of coin on the Packers in that game. So it wasn't <laughs> a great outcome for me. But, and that's a game where Rodgers threw a pick six. He threw another pick that almost was taken out. Like, these are two very different teams going into this week. And I actually, it's tough because I've been so high on Bucks. I, I picked them uh, preseason. I had them in the Super Bowl. And now that I'm like one game away, I'm like, I'm kind of leaning Green Bay right now. Like, I just, it just feels like it's it's Aaron Rodgers is going to make it back, uh, have another crack at, it, be able to maybe win that second ring. And the biggest, the biggest issue here is I think Devontae Adams is going to have a big game. Like, I think he's going to have a huge game. Uh, I don't love the Bucks secondary. I don't know how they're going to contain him. Like Carlton Davis is their best corner and he's decent, but I don't see him shutting down Devontae Adams, but they did a good job today on Michael Thomas. So it's like different receivers, but they did a good job on Michael Thomas. I just, I love the way Green Bay is playing on, on, on both sides of the ball. The defense is improving their offense and the ability to run. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have to go out and throw 45 times this game because if they can establish a run, and be able to control the ball. I like, I like Green Bay, and I don't want to go against the Bucks just because uh, I've been so high on them this year. But like you said, this is a, a very different Packers team than we saw earlier in the year, and they're just they're they're firing away on all cylinders. But it could go either way. But early in the week again, it's Monday night. We haven't even seen what's going to go on throughout the week. But I'm early on. I do I do think Green Bay's got a little bit of an edge. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I agree a thousand percent. Like everything you said was in my mind. And that's why simply from a betting perspective, I want to go, go three it. and a half. Like I want to go. <laughs> the the three opposite. and a half is tough. That's tough. Yeah. It's, that it's, it's tough. a weird, it's a weird line because really like you would put these teams within a field goal, but like, yeah, I mean, the run game is great. Devonte Adams is bound to have a big game. I mean, Sean Murphy bunting had a, fantastic game for the bucks today it felt like they were ta- they were talking about him the whole game whether it was you know he's making a big defensive pass breakup or maybe a penalty you know but it was, it was very boomer bust it felt like but he was all over the place but this is this is a different level you know like it, it's not shutting down drew Brees and michael thomas which they did had a ver- did a very good job of doing this is shutting down the MVP favorite Aaron Rodgers and the guy who caught 18 of his touchdown passes this season, even though he missed a couple of games, which makes it even crazier. Um, So I think, I think from a betting perspective, I want to go bucks three and a half, a plus three and a half, but like the Packers, the Packers, it it, it just seems like it it makes too much sense that this is the time it's all coming together for him. The run game is, is lethal. It really is. I mean, we saw AJ Dillon in that Titans game. That was kind of his coming out party. And now a, a two-headed monster turned into a trio in that backfield. And so they can win in a variety of ways. They don't have to put the ball in Rogers' hands and and you know ask them to ask him to win it for him. But yeah, it's just it's tough. So yeah, I think the Packers win, 
but I think the Bucks cover. And that's such a small window of opportunity. But I don't know. It just it, it, it's going to be a close game. And I think really, if as long as the Packers can can keep the turnovers to a minimum, which shouldn't be hard to do. I mean, Aaron Rodgers threw five picks uh, the whole the whole season. Yeah. Then, and then two the, of them the Packers, came against the Bucks too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, then the Packers come away with this. Like that, that's going to be the Bucks game because I think if we're saying strictly offensive duel, I'm going to give it to the Packers. But if the if the Packers turn the ball over a little bit and yep. we saw what the Bucks can do and can can capitalize on those turnovers, then the Bucks take that game. So yeah, it's a very small window, but for whatever reason, I I think the Bucks cover, <laughs> but the Packers somehow win this game. All right, early on, I'll, I think I'm going to lay the points on Green Bay. I think they win this game. But, again, it's, it's one of those games, like you said, that's what the Bucs need to do. They need solidate against New Orleans today, but I think the Packers just leaps and bounds better than New Orleans right now offensively. So that's why I, I lean Packers. But it's just going to be a – it's going to be a fun – it's going to be a fun uh, next Sunday. I mean, I'm really excited for both these games. It's kind of the the old guard, and then we get to the nightcap with the new guard. Like, that that's going to be fun. That's going to be so fun. Yeah, no, it's 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 very cool. The the And like you said, whatever matchups, it's going to be like – However, however, the quarterback matchup shake up, there's a storyline to be pulled from really any which way. And it's crazy because you think about, you think about how these guys, Rodgers and Brady are viewed. Um, it's almost, it's, it's kind of similar to how Mahomes and Allen are viewed. Like maybe we're seeing the beginning of a, of a, what could be a fun rivalry. You know, obviously they're in the same conference, but uh, two very talented quarterbacks going at it. So the line in this one is Kansas city minus three. Um, and I, I, I could give you a number of reasons when we talked about the Bills can win a variety of ways. But just with this Mahomes uncertainty, I think right yeah. now, if you're saying gut pick. Um, I would jump I like, now, yeah. I like the Bills, and I like the, you know, I, I, I like the Bills plus three, and I like them outright to win, right? Like this, this is probably the perfect time from a betting perspective to get in it, especially if you are uh, leaning towards, towards Buffalo. Or really, I mean, either way, this might be the best time to get it if you want to maximize on the uncertainty. Um, but definitely, uh, I, I think the Bills really impressed me with this win over the Ravens. It was a, a Bills we hadn't seen this season, a team that can absolutely go in and shut down. I mean, the defense has played better yeah. as of late, but this was a, a defensive performance. I mean, the defense outscored the Ravens offense with that pick six. Yeah. <laughs> so truly, um, I, I like the Bills in this one, even if Mahomes plays, just because I think, you know, like you said, the cornerbacks are nowhere near the level of the Ravens cornerbacks. And, and John Brown was, we were starting to see something from him last game. I yep. think he has a big game. And um, if you have to shut down Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, John Brown, and uh, you know, whoever else. The, Gabriel the, Davis too. I mean, Gabriel Davis. I mean, he killed us. He killed the Colts on a yeah. couple of those, those toe drag catches. So really they can beat you truly with whoever they, whatever formation they decide to throw out on the field. So I like the bills in this one plus three and, and outright to win. Yeah, it's interesting because I'll tell you what, the, the, the Chiefs aren't going to – they're going to score more than three points. I, I can guarantee you oh, yeah. that right now. So <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to see Josh Allen play special. But it's, it's, it's within the realm of possibility. We've seen him do it all year long. He's kind of going against a defense that's weaker than the last two. But played really well against him. They scripted well. The Colts and the Ravens kind of set a little bit of a blueprint for, for how to try to stop them. But I just think the Bills have too many weapons offensively for it to be – like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. I think it's going to be a close game, and that's why I'm going to lean Bills, and I'm, I'm gonna, I will take the Bills outright as well. Um, and I'll pick them probably regardless. But I think going into this this game is – it's 
It's going to be a showcase game. I mean, a lot of a lot of people obviously have fallen in love with Josh Allen this year, but this is obviously going to be the biggest stage for him. So if he can step up and, and have a great game, I think the Bills can win just because I think I think the offense of the Bills is better than Chiefs defense. And I think the Bills defense is good enough to make a couple of stops. You know, they're not going to shut down Mahomes or I mean, again, if Mahomes doesn't play, this is a completely different conversation because then I think everyone's going to be going Bills. But the, the biggest X factor, I think, in this game is going to be Travis Kelsey because the Bills have absolutely struggled at all year long, but especially last few weeks. They can't cover tight ends, and Travis Kelsey is even bigger than, than the average tight end because he can run routes, he's got the hands, he's got the speed, and that's going to be the biggest issue is they've got to figure out how to cover him because if they can't cover him, it kind of all goes out the window. And he was the big playmaker the first time these two teams played. It was him and it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire who we didn't see today, but if he can get in there, I mean, Williams had a good game himself, so if they can get that run going, that's going to be huge because the Bills' defense better lately. But I mean, we we kind of saw what the Colts did with those big chunk run plays. The Bills' defense has given up the most uh, ten plus yard rushes in the NFL this year. So if the Chiefs can establish a run and play through Travis Kelsey, they'll be okay because their offense looked pretty dominant with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. But uh, right now, I, I I lean Bills, but it could be a a, t- a touch of bias right there. Yeah. Well, look, look. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, you know, your team who hasn't won a playoff game in your lifetime on the edge of the Super Bowl. Like if you don't in your heart, absolutely believe they're going to win this game. Like why be a fan? You know, like I think I've been very, I've been very realistic about the bills. Like early in the year, I was like, this is a 10 and six team that could win a playoff game. And then as they improve, it's like, now this is a team that could win the AFC. You know, now this is a team that could win the Super Bowl. Like They've shown the improvement throughout the year, and I think that's what's so big is that they, they got better as the season went on. I mean, it's it's so true. We saw Pittsburgh. Their traje- trajectory went way down. The Bills went up. The Browns went up. Like, teams that are playing well at the right times. Like, we haven't seen the Chiefs come out and just dominate a team in so long, and I don't know if they're bored. I don't know if it's just teams are not figuring them out, but maybe playing them a little bit better defensively. We haven't seen the Chiefs go out and just dominate a game in so long. Yeah, it- and I mean, I don't know, maybe they're, they're saving it for the right time, but it's crazy to me that a team, you know, like the bills has won so many games in a row, but yet we're sitting here talking about, yeah, they've gotten better every week, you know, like that's absolutely incredible to me. And it's, you know, a testament to, to what they've been able to do. It's going to be a fun game for sure. Any way you shake it. Uh, I'm excited. This is, you know, two weeks left of football. We got to make the most of it. Um, yeah. But I, I'm looking forward to it big time. All right. Before we let you go, just a couple of things we want to talk about. So there were a few coaching hires. One, like we mentioned, um, just happened right before we got on to to uh, to the the record the show. But let's start there. Brandon Staley, Rams defensive coordinator, br- was brought on this year by Sean McVay and really re-energized this Rams defense. Got him back to that 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 Super Bowl team from a couple of years ago. Got the most out of their players. I mean, you know, we're talking about guys like Aaron Donald and, and, and Jalen Ramsey, who are obviously incredibly talented players, but it, it, it can't stop there. You know, it's gotta be a full unit. And I think Staley did a good job of that. All that being said, I mean, everyone was enamored with the way Justin Herbert played football this year, numerous scouts, experts coming out saying, man, we didn't know this guy could throw this way. Um, and I'm not, you know, I was one of them too. I wasn't a big Herbert guy. Um, but really it was, it was partially due to what Oregon, how they were running him in college, but you have to think, and I understand that the Chargers have playmakers on defense too, but you want to go all in. I know, you know, the, the Bills OC Dable, it was kind of announced that 
he's like the front runner, really. Like it, it, he was kind of, it yeah. was his job going away. Uh, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, and, and there was the connection with Telesco. Cause I think they'd gone to high school together um, and all that yep. stuff or, um, and so there were all these connections and all of a sudden it's kind of took me by surprise, but it, it's Staley, a defensive guy. Uh, yeah. What are your, what are your gut reactions to, to a move like that? I mean, my gut reaction is I thought Dable and Herbert would have been a match made in heaven. I mean, that would have been, you'd think perfect because they're kind of coming off of the whole defensive thing where they were still able to maximize Herbert, even with, you know, Anthony Leonard's their head coach, which, which I think was, was for them, but, I don't know. Staley, a guy I like. I mean, the Rams had the the best uh, second half adjustments for their defense. Uh, so he's a guy that obviously understands it very well. Uh, but he's not going to have, you know, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey out there in, in L.A. And he's going to – well, I guess he, he doesn't really have to move. He can stay in, in wherever he's living right now. Now I think about it, he's still in L.A. But, you know, like you said, they have some playmakers on defense, but a, a long way to go. So I can see the, the, the thought process there. But I would have liked to see them go all in, go offense, go Brian Dable and try to try to just make Herbert into an even better player than he already is. Cause he's already pretty, pretty dang good. And he's, he's very similar to Josh Allen and in, in his, his kind of approach to the game and the way he plays. So I think it could have been a really nice match for Dable to come in. And I don't know, I think that that could be a miss the, this offseason. I think Dable could have went to a team like the chargers, the jets, uh, the Falcons, they went offense with Ar- with Arthur Smith, but he could have been a fit there as well. Um, so I don't know. Again, my gut reaction says I don't love it, but if he could maybe make the chart, I mean, the Chargers defense, if it's a little bit better, they're probably a playoff team. So I can see the, the thought process there, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's not they're making a lateral move because Staley could be a better defensive mind, but it, it felt like they should have went offense. Yeah. And, and really, I think the biggest thing is, you know, a guy that just won't get in the way. I mean, that was, that was the big issue for the majority of this yeah. season. So you know, with Anthony Lynn. And so essentially they're trying yeah. to go after a guy who talk will just, about bad coaching decisions there. I mean, yeah, a few you, tough ones. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, there are some young pieces there. Uh, you know, Joey Bosa, Derwin James is coming back next year. They have Kenneth Murray. Um, so it's, it's really a good group. Um, you know, if he can get the most out of them and, and really just let Herbert cook, you know, maybe yeah. they go out and get another, uh, a, 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 an offensive coordinator. We'll have to see how he does with his staff, but Definitely a surprising move. Um, well, let's keep moving here. We got a couple more to go over. Urban Meyer with the Jaguars. My gut reaction was like, I mean, that's kind of weird. You know, you know, a college guy for for a good chunk of his career um, now making the move to the NFL. I know, you know, they're coming. He's coming in inheriting the first round pick, and he's got plenty of connections just as far as coaching yeah. staffs go. That's kind of the big thing that comes with him. But you know, I kind of realized maybe it's not so different from a college situation, right? Like they go in and, and get the top prospect per se. He's trying to build up a culture in this, in this Jaguars team that desperately needs a revamp. I mean, you, you had a mass exodus for what was, you know, an AFC championship team just a couple of years ago here. Yeah. And it was really, you know, bad taste. Like all these guys are leaving with, with a bad taste in their mouth. So if, if Urban Meyer can come in, if he can establish a, a strong culture, uh, you know, they, they bring in Trevor Lawrence, they've got $90 million in cap space. And maybe that's when the recruiting comes into play and, and he can bring some guys there um, with the money they have to spend. Maybe it's not so different. Maybe this is the guy that, that Jacksonville needs. Yeah. And kind of a, a college town vibe in Jacksonville, a smaller town. Like I initial reaction is like, well, we've seen Saban try it out. We've seen Spurrier try it out. It didn't really work out too well. 
But for Urban Meyer, and he's a guy that it's like every loss just takes so much out of him. Like it literally kills him inside a little bit every time that he would lose with Ohio State or with Florida. And the Jags aren't a team that's going to – they're not going to win next year. You know, they're still going to be a few years away. There's still a lot of pieces away. But then I, I flip side, and I listen to what you're saying. I listen to what other people are saying, and I think they're going to be great in the draft. Like I think that Urban Meyer knows college, the college game. He knows college prospects like the back of his hand. I think they're going to draft really well, and that's how you build a team, first through the draft. And then when you have that salary cap, you can you can obviously fill in some pieces as well. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence. Like that, That's a good team. And and when you look at the offensive pieces they have going into next year, like that's not a bad foundation to start with. I mean, mm-hmm. you have James Robinson. You have some, some weapons in the receiving core. There's still some things that they're going to have to smooth over, but I like the the foundation they can build there. And, and I like the, kind of what you're saying where – he can kind of treat this like a college run, you know, with he's good with recruiting. He's good at finding uh, good prospects for the draft. Like it could definitely work out. And I like, I like it more, the more I think about it, you know, my initial gut reaction is like, I don't know, but the more I think about it, I'm like, this could work out. Yeah, no. And, and he's just an hour from Gainesville. So he's, he's really yeah, right back close, at home. Yeah. Uh, they love him down there. They love yeah. Him. Yeah, it, it's big for them. And it's it's kind of a profile boosting move for the Jaguars too. getting a, a, yeah. a top guy that's, you know, well respected as a winning coach, uh, you know, wherever he goes. Uh, I saw I saw a meme uh, a couple of days ago where it was it was Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. And it was like, if you didn't love us at, at uh, one and 15, you can't love us at four and 12. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of yeah, goes again, they're, they're still far away. They're still a good ways away. But I think yeah. this could be a fun step. In the the right work direction. is cut out for them, but they, they virtually can go out and get any free agent they choose with, with that $90 million. And they get, you know, a guy who Urban Meyer said is the greatest quarterback he's seen, college quarterback yeah. he's seen. So that, yeah. that helps. That definitely helps. Yeah, it does. Uh, all right, Robert Sala, New York Jets. This this one was, I mean, I'm happy for him that he, he got a move. I thought he was going to the Lions. Lions job remains yeah, unfilled like because it. he's got those ties to Michigan. But this is another situation where that's a lot of flexibility. And really, if you look at the Jets uh, and their organization over the last few years, I mean, you know, we're talking losing seasons, just like you think about a team in just absolute despair. You look at the Jets this season um, who couldn't even, you know, lose right. They're trying to go out and get Trevor Lawrence. and They somehow pull out two wins and, and finish with a better record than, than the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so it's, it's really just, uh, I think a guy like Sala, high energy dude, I was listening to, he did a podcast yeah. interview with Adam Schefter and the way he talks about the game. I mean, he loves the game, always on the sideline, fired up. He gets the best out of the defense. I mean, the 49ers still had an above average defense with all the injuries they had, you know, this, this last season. So it's just a testament to what he was able to do, get guys ready to play. Uh, Joe, Joe Douglas is well-respected as, you know, a, a great football mind as the GM there. Um, they also have $90 million in cap space. And the second round, the second overall pick isn't too shabby given you've got guys like Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. So I love this move. I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, yep. And just getting a guy who will some, inject some life into this New York Jets franchise. That's the biggest thing. The Jets have been without a cultural identity for, for so long. I mean, since Rex Ryan, honestly. And that was a culture that was fun, but it was one that was going to burn out eventually. And I think that, when you get a guy like Robert Sala, he's gonna ha- he's gonna bring that energy. He wants that. Like Adam Gase is like he's like a talking to a, a chalkboard. Like he's not a, he's not a personality. 
He's supposed to be an offensive guru. He wasn't that either. And obviously the biggest decision is, you know, I like, I like what Sal is doing. He's going to bring over Michael Lafleur, a guy that he's familiar with that he trusts to make these offensive decisions. Cause they're, they're going to have to sit down and decide what they want to do at quarterback. And from what I've heard, I've, I've read a lot. They seem to think that there's a lot there with Sam Darnold. I think they might think about trying to see if they can work with him and, and build with him and see what they can do for, for a year here. And like you said, Joe Douglas, I thought he knocked it out of the park with his first draft. I thought he picked up some really good pieces. I think Denzel Mims is, is a really legit number two receiver of the future for this team. And if they can get that number one, like, this is a team that could use Allen Robinson as well. You know, try to get Sam Darnold some weapons to figure out what you have there. Um, my biggest thing is I want to see if they can get some kind of a run game. I mean, they hadn't had it uh, in a while. And you think about those old Jets teams, good defense, run ball. I mean, Sam Darnold, I think, has a, a higher ceiling than Mark Sanchez. Like, I think that this could be uh, a fun a fun team if they can get some semblance of the run. Like, you see how the 49ers kind of run their team. I think it could be kind of a, a mirror image of, of how San Fran does business. I think there's still something there with Sam Darnold. I don't love, I don't love what I see from him all the time, but I think that there could be something there. But if they say, "Hey, let's go do something else with the number two pick. Let's go get Justin Field. Let's go get Zach Wilson. Let's trade for Deshaun Watson." Like I could see any of that happening too. So a lot of options there for Salah, and I'm I'm a big fan of him as well. Yeah, and they're another team also two first round picks with that Jamal Adams yep. trade. So yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe there is some temptation for for Houston to maybe go out and get. Uh, uh, I think they're probably the, the a top three fit there. I mean, or at least a team that has the ability to go get him. I mean, I think Miami would be would be the perfect destination, but I think the Jets have to be in that conversation as well. As well, as, you know, the Bears obviously are a team that could use – I mean, a lot of teams could use Deshaun Watson, but I think for the Jets, the question is, do they want to mortgage all those first-round picks? Because Deshaun Watson comes over and – it almost feels like the Texans. They have their defense isn't good. They don't have a lot of weapons on offense. They're going to use all their first round picks, and he's going to make them better. But does he make them great? And that's the biggest question for the Jets is is figuring out that quarterback position. Yeah, you know. Okay, so I I, I love all those fits, but just simply from like a, a connection perspective, and I know they'd have to give up a haul to get him. But my dream location for Deshaun Watson is the Denver Broncos. I think yeah. you put him. They, they had a much improved offensive line. Garrett Bowles is looking like a top tier left tackle. You give him Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, oh, yeah. Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. The defense, there are a couple young yeah. building blocks, Justin Simmons, Bradley Chubb. Uh, I mean, the only downside is you have to go against Justin Herbert and, and Patrick Mahomes four times a year, but but what better that's, way to counter it? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a lethal offense, you know. So I know they'd have to give up a ton. Uh, but he also gets to go and, and be, you know, work in the same building as a, a quarterback legend in John Elway. Maybe yeah. that's something that's enticing. I don't know. Um, and I don't even know what the Broncos would have to give up. But I think you've got to make that call, especially, you know, Drew Locke was a little shaky this year. Um, yeah, not but, a huge fan. Not a huge Drew Locke guy, personally. But I, I but, was. I had, look, I, I set up my hits. I on think we show. all were a little bit, you know, yeah. we all kind of started to buy in a little bit last year. I mentioned some hits, so I'll mention a miss. I did have the Broncos going 10 and six and making the playoffs. So, you know, yeah. it's not all, it's not all hundred um, percent. But last one here, then we'll let you go extra long episode. I mean, you guys are in for, you know, if you've gotten to this point, thank you. It's, it's, it's been yeah. a real treat. I don't, we, we a lot really, going on, a lot going yeah, on. Yeah. So, so much to talk about last one, Arthur Smith. Um, my first gut reaction was when he was kind of making these moves. I was like, I mean, yeah, I understand it. I get it. But there were guys like Dable and Eric Bienemy. 
But then I got to reading a little bit more and Arthur, you know, they, they talk about like special teams coaches are the guys to target, you know, guys like Joe judge and John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, because they've had such uh, like, they, they feel out every part of the team. Arthur Smith has coached everywhere on the football field yep. before making it to offensive coordinator. Like he's paid his dues. He's, he's, he's uh, done a really good job of, of getting involved at different parts of the offense, as well as the defense um, being, I think he was an offensive and defensive quality control coach, as well as position groups uh, before making the offensive coordinator. And this team, Arthur Smith is not the guy that that's going to be living through the rebuild. I don't think. Arthur Smith is going to be the guy that will get the absolute most he can out of Matt Ryan, out of Julio Jones, out of Calvin Ridley. And, you know, because they're in cap purgatory, they cannot, it's, you know, they can't go out and, and just uh, overhaul the team. They're not looking for a culture builder. They're looking for a guy who, who had a big role in revamping Ryan Tannehill's career. And so they're saying, look, if you can turn the book, the, the clock back on Matt Ryan, make us competitive here, that's good enough for us. Um, so if, and I think that's the mindset they're going. So with that in mind, I love the pick. I think it makes sense as, as a, as a coach, uh, given what the Falcons want, they're not looking for a rebuild. They're trying to do the most they can right now before Matt Ryan hangs it up. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how this works out. Cause I've seen a lot of lazy takes going on about Arthur Smith. It's like, well, is he that good? Or does he just say, hand it off to Derek Henry and run a little play action? <laughs> like, I think it's a lot deeper than that with Arthur Smith. Also, fun fact, did you know his dad is the, the founder of FedEx? Really? Yeah, so it comes from a good family, I guess. Yeah. But uh, for, yeah, for Arthur Smith, I'm excited. for. Like you said, it feels like this is not a re- – like it feels like they want to go in and see what they have right now. And that's the thing with this Falcons team. There's a lot of question marks. Like I was actually just talking about it earlier today. It's like the Falcons, it seems like every year they have so much talent and then they, they weren't able to win the one Super Bowl. And ever since that, it's kind of gone off the rails. And – they kind of try to do it this year. They're like, all right, let's gather every single first round pick that's ever been, you know, disposed of and, and let's make it work. But there's still a lot there on this offense. I mean, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Gage had a really good year as well. Like they have some good pieces and I think Matt Ryan still has enough juice there. And, and that's going to be interesting. My biggest question is I want to see who's going to run this Falcons defense. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, they've definitely been a liability these last few years. I want to see who can come in and turn it around. Maybe, like you said, maybe it's an ex-head coach that wants to come in and kind of reestablish his name or something like that. Because I think the offense is going to be there, and I think Arthur Smith is going to find find really creative ways to make it work. But they've got to figure out that side of the ball as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And there's more spots to fill. Lions and Texans are still uh, on the search, as well as the Eagles for, for head coaches. So the carousel has not stopped spinning just yet. But uh, it, so far, you know, it, it's always exciting to see, you know, teams this is this is their super bowl getting a new coach or or getting a new yeah. top draft pick like this, new is, this is yeah, yeah like it, 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 there's always the the ability to turn things around so that part is exciting uh but yeah like i said long episode of the podcast but luke thank you for sticking it out with us lots to talk about um Anytime. and we gotta we gotta hold on to these last few weeks uh because it's gonna be a long time before august and september uh and you know once draft is once the draft is done then it really becomes uh it really hits no football really hits for sure yeah it does so enjoy enjoy these last two games everyone savor savor the moments because you know a few months ago we didn't know if we were even to have football so to to be moving into to conference championship weekend it, it it just makes you appreciate the game even more absolutely well luke we'll definitely have to have you back on again soon thank you again always for for giving your time anytime